Hiya. Hi. Welcome to Thinking Like a Lawyer. I'm Joe Patrice from Above the Law. And I have Catherine Bino from Above the Law here. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. It's February. It's our first episode in February 2021. Yeah. Which means that we did not actually get stuck in a time loop. After everything that happened in January, I was getting a little worried. Yeah. No, I I think that we are moving forward. Obviously, I have moved You just my- think that? You yeah, no, I moved my entire uh, life savings into GameStop, so really hope so you're that, doing okay. Yeah, hope no. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, I, I got it at three hundred. I feel like it's going to only go up from here. Yeah, yeah no, uh, I did not do that. I certainly would have if I had been privy to the logic of it when it was at three dollars. But sure, at, sure. Right now, I I would not do that. There were some. There's already been a class action filed over their decision to. Suspend trading briefly. Yeah, I mean, mandatory arbitration being what it is. Well, you know, it's interesting you mentioned that. I, I did write that mandatory arbitration, which the Supreme Court forces uh, us all to suck Live up by, and take yeah. by these customer agreements. As it turns out, Robin Hood's agreement actually does have a carve out. Oh, yeah. That says that if somebody makes a putative class action, they can't force it into arbitration until that gets resolved, basically. Oh, okay. Uh, so there is a carve out. I gather a tipster sent that to me today. Uh, I hadn't read that closely in the wall of boilerplate. Yeah, like why but, would you? But buried in the boilerplate, there's some language like that. Apparently, according to this lawyer, there's some sort of California law that requires oh. you to have a carve out for that. So there is Yay, California. kind of a technical way around that. But um but yeah. Well, I mean, even if it eventually has to go to arbitration, if it's after the right. class is certified, right, or 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 denied, or, or whatever, right, yeah, sure, right. sure, yeah. So it, it is it interesting. Seems, it it seems very very ripe for class adjudication. It, it seems a little bit, um, seems but like yeah. Although definitional look, class action. The more we we learned about it, the more it appears as though Robinhood had been cut off by its banks because it just didn't have enough to cover uh, the kind of bets it was making. So it. I think they'll probably it's win, but it wasn't like they were trying to screw these people. It was that that's a question of whether or not they're liable, not a question of whether or not the class is true. It's a, a good class, right? Whether there's yeah, right. No, that, those that, are two right. different questions: whether class should be certified and whether or not the claims have any merit. Yeah. So. Anyway, so so that that was just yeah. a a wild aside that we that went was, on. But that was just kind of a wild way to end January, right? Yeah. Like as if insurrection, impeachment, inauguration wasn't enough. We also had to end with sort of uh, securities. <laughs> yeah. Well, and as, as a as lawyers of certain age, uh, while Excuse GameStop, me? yeah, uh, while GameStop has obviously been that the most was not okay. Can you just no? It, it, mm-mm, mm-mm. GameStop obviously has been getting all the headlines, but BlackBerry is back. BlackBerry also is seeing a surge based on Reddit involvement. And what I mean by lawyers of certain age is we're the folks who used to have to have Blackberries. They used to ding constantly. Blackberries used to be a thing. Yeah. And I, I, they they still technically are, but obviously most people have transitioned to smartphones. Sure. And I think I meant more specifically in the legal industry. Yeah. Like it was like having your Blackberry was oh, yeah. definitely a moment. And the company still does stuff. I actually uh, spoke with some folks from that a few years ago at a tech conference. And mm-hmm. now what they've moved toward, which makes sense, is under their branding, they sell stuff that basically allows you to take your smartphone and firewall off your phone for phone's sake and your phone for work's sake. It's a different phone number. All oh, the stuff is stored differently. All the stuff is security different. Yeah. It, which makes sense. That also seems like it's incredibly useful. Yeah. I mean, 
you do know there's tons of lawyers out there who, despite sort of whatever, still carry around two devices, even if they're both iPhones or, you know, whatever their device of choice is, just because it's easier to keep things separate from a work Or worse, just have one and have to have clients texting you while you're dealing with the kids. Right, and then if you leave the firm... Yeah. You know, who has your number? and yeah. Exactly. And apparently what BlackBerry does is they set up these numbers, which these numbers are owned by the firm, but they can be fired. So your own idea. device can have this separate. Yeah, it, it, it's actually a surprisingly, yeah. Yeah, it, 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 was, it was an interesting conversation. This is, again, an aside. Although this, yeah. that conversation I had, if I recall right, yeah, it was at Legal Tech New York, or what used to be called Legal Tech New York, then became Legal Week. This year, they're calling it Legal Year. So it, you know... It needs to not get there's, longer. There's been conference creep. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, one of the big legal sh- legal technology shows of the sure. year. Uh, that's where I spoke with them last. Uh, that's actually kicking off this week. So I'll be reporting from the virtual legal tech world. Yeah, I mean, I mean, legal tech of all the the sort of industries seems to have fared the best in pandemic world because we all realize all of a sudden we yeah. need all of these things. The most curmudgeon of lawyers is yeah. starting to realize that technology is important yeah. uh, and the only way they can get some of this stuff done. Uh, yeah, so legal tech has done reasonably well. You know, it's... Oh, of course. You know, there have been know, struggles and everybody's but... struggled, but like more or less, it seems like... The legal industry is... Seems like it's their moment to prove their value proposition at the very least. So even the, you know, in two years, they can still point to the pandemic as an example of of why their product is so useful and uh, such a good value for folks. Yeah. And, you know, it's all part of how everybody's dealing with the uh, economic fallout from the pandemic. Mm-hmm. How have law firms weathered previous economic downturns and come out stronger on the other side? LexisNexis Interaction has released an in-depth global research report confronting the 2020 downturn lessons learned during previous economic crises. Download your free copy at interaction.com slash like a lawyer to see tips, strategies, plans, and statistics from leaders who have been through this before and how they've reached success again. So, I think the big uh, story of last week for us, and it's going to be a big story going forward, mm-hmm. is there's an impeachment trial happening. There is. Yeah, and we're going to have... Impeachment a, two, electric boogaloo. Yeah, we're and we're going to have to talk about this a bit, uh, even though it's not properly legal in some ways. It seems like a largely uh, legalist show that results in a political, purely political decision, but... sure. Well, anyway, we had we had this, and one of the interesting conversations from last week, where we I wrote a story uh, about Chief Justice Roberts has decided not to preside over the trial. Which, it seems like the Constitution would suggest otherwise, well, and, and maybe not suggest as opposed to explicitly state. Well, otherwise. and that's and that's what became something of a firestorm issue. So I wrote an article which takes your stance that the plain language of the Constitution seems to indicate be that pretty clear. Chief Justice should be yeah. presiding. Others disagreed, and it became an interesting back and forth on how to interpret language. And my takeaway from it was not so much... I'm right or they're wrong, as much as this gives lie to the whole concept of textualism and plain meaning. Mm. Because if plain meaning can be as perverted as having these two different takes on a simple sentence, then it's pretty clear that it's ridiculous to try sure. and live under this obvious meanings exist. So wait, logic. okay. Let's let's back up for for one quick second. Sure. Okay. So 
The text of the Constitution says when the president's impeached, the chief justice presides over the trial, right? Yes. So walk me through, even if it's kind of a acrobatic <laughs> endeavor, yes. what the argument that anybody but Roberts should be presiding. So the, the language is that the Senate shall have sole power to try all impeachments. When sitting for that purpose, they shall blah, blah, blah. When the president of the United States is tried, the chief justice shall preside. So cool. what does that mean? The interpretation that Roberts seems to be taking and that his defenders mm -hmm. in arguments with me have taken is that the line, when the president of the United States is tried, the chief justice shall preside. Mm -hmm. Since there's only one president of the United States at any given time, that it is means in fact that, Joe Biden. That means that only if Biden were being tried would the chief justice preside, not if it's any former president. But mm -hmm. yes, it also seems pretty clear, especially from like an originalist point of view, that there were contemporaneous documents that said that former presidents can be tried for actions they took while in office. Right. And, right? and this and this brings. And so yeah. once that's true, it seems to me pretty clear that the still refers to the presidential action. Well, and, the, and this gets to that question. So a lot more people. um Russ German from Legal Writing Pro had mm -hmm. put out actually after my story, used my story as a jumping off point to ask some of his followers who are legal writing obsessed, sure. what does this mean? And the majority, a super majority said, obviously that means the current president when it says the president is. The problem with it is that if you take into account all the sentences in a row here mm -hmm. and the history of impeachments going back to English tradition, the argument is that people aren't being tried, the office is being tried. And that was how in the past, when we've had all of these impeachment trials of people who've left office, the justification for it is, no, you can't impeach Bill Smith, but Bill Smith took actions while Secretary of State, and so you are impeaching the office of Secretary of State, even though that person is has since left it. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's how the history of this works. So right. it's always about the office. Given that there is only one office of the president of the United States, right. you would not say when presidents of the United States are tried, you would only communicate when the president of the United States is tried. And if I also refuse to believe that any founding father thought that this would happen this way. Right. Well, right. That that somehow the prep for things that happen right before a president left office were high crimes and misdemeanors, according to the House. Right. We're about to go on trial in the Senate, but the chief justice would not be presiding. Right. So so the argument is that if you were trying to write down as a framer approaching this sentence and you wanted to communicate the message, there will be trials. And if the presidential misconduct is involved, it is important enough that it requires the chief justice. How would you write that? And the answer is you would write literally the sentence when the president of the United States is yeah. tried, the chief justice shall preside. Because it's about the misconduct of the office, not who's sitting there right now. If you want to get if you want to get like super kind of technical bitchy about it, then I don't know why Leahy should take over as the person who presides. Shouldn't it be then a former chief justice? I mean, I know there are none well, that are alive, yeah. right? But like, <laughs> right. but like a chief justice. Well, then. no, it, I mean, no, I think it. I think it's clear that it'd be the chief justice. No, they, no, I mean, I agree, but I think that that kind of goes to the point. Right? No, I think what goes to the the thing that really goes to the point when I have these arguments with folks saying, "Oh no, 
it says is tried, it means present. It's about the disruption that happens when the sitting president is involved, which, mm-hmm. first of all, there's not really any disruption that happens when a sitting president's involved. Like they, it's as, not like they show up. Has pr- has as our lifetime has proven a couple of times. Yeah. But the argument that it's about that it kind of causes problems with the history of this argument as a whole, which the same people who are making the argument, no, no, what this means is about the current president, not, and they intended this language to only refer to the current president, are the same people who a week earlier had been making the argument that the framers never intended anybody but current office holders to be tried anyway, which means they went from saying, well, clearly, this means you can't try any former officers, to once that was proven wrong, they said this sentence clearly, not only was it true that former officers could be done, despite what they'd said earlier, but they felt so strongly that former officers could be done that they wrote this sentence intending only to apply to current officers, right? Like, the whole concept that this sentence is time-based requires believing that their earlier claim that it was so obvious that they couldn't do any former couldn't be real. Yes, I mean, I think it's pretty, what is clear is that the, the purpose of all of these arguments is to cast the entire process with yeah. illegitimacy. To undermine the whole process. Yeah. It first was that they couldn't do it at all. Mm-hmm. Once that was proven untrue, they said, oh, not only do they think it was possible they wrote this sentence to mean this, uh, which doesn't make any yeah. sense, but does remove the chief justice from it, which undermines the legitimacy of the whole process. Right. Right. Uh, yeah, it's it's a series of disingenuous arguments built on top of each other. Of, yes, and it's it's only intended to to extend a political goal. But again, it, this is this is the problem. When the president of the United States is tried, if you slice that out from any context, you could easily see how that means the current one. But when you look at it within the full context of the paragraph and the history behind it, right. and try to divine what anybody writing this, I, one of the best tipsters uh, who was reacting to it wrote me was that the true test of this is if you put a gun to somebody's head a year ago and said, if the president does X, Y, Z, what happens? They would have told you, well, then the chief justice shall preside. This only became an interpretation a week and a half ago. Like th- this was this right, was something yeah. that nobody would have thought the right, sentence right, right. meant until a week and a half ago when suddenly it became something that they had a political bent towards. Right. But anyway, it, it's just it was very interesting to me, not, you know, one way or the other, but kind of proof that this textualism and this like worshiping of this as a concept falls apart because you can't divorce meaning this you know, you can't parse it this much from context mm-hmm. without suffering some sort of problems. You know, it's just how important it is to take language and understand, like, exactly what language does, because it has has power. And if you work with contracts and don't oh. use contract tools, you're missing a lot. Save time, make more money, and do a better job for your clients with Contract Tools by Paper Software. Contract Tools is the most powerful word to add in for working with contracts. Thousands of lawyers all over the world rely on Contract Tools every day for every kind of deal. Visit papersoftware.com to watch a demo and get a free trial. As a special offer to podcast listeners, use coupon code LTN2020 to get one month free. That's papersoftware.com and LTN2020. Well, it doesn't seem like we're actually done with impeachment issues, though, right? Because who's even at this point representing the president? Uh, I I don't know. Uh, no, I actually do know uh, David Schoen and Cantor. Well, that was uh, the whole thing, right? There, there was a whole list of other folks, right, at one point. That have all since uh, run far, far away from the entire issue. 
Yeah, but the issue is, uh, yes, he put together a trial team of uh, mm-hmm. based around uh, Butch Bowers uh, from South Carolina, who Lindsey Graham had set him up with. That trial team included other folks, other folks who'd been, you know, hauled in front of South Carolina's court for racist activity before. Uh, but. <laughs> But those folks... That, uh, that seems like a thing. It, it was. But don't worry. Those folks are all gone. Uh, <laughs> all of those folks left apparently over a mutual disagreement. Trump wants to not argue this argument about whether or not former officers can be impeached and instead use the impeachment trial to just make every argument that the election was fraudulent and that Dominion machines were illegal and stuff. That seems like a bunch of... It seems, like a, it seems like a yeah. bad, yes. And, and it's the, also a bad legal strategy. It's a bad legal strategy. I mean, it... it because, because even in a world where it were true, which is not the current world we live in, right? Even if there was some problem, he still... The question is whether or not he incited a riot, right? Right. It, well, it, yeah. His argument would be that all of those things are true, so they can't be I mean, um, bad speech. They're not. Anyway, so the the real problem, though, is from the party's perspective is they don't want their senators to have to take a stance on these claims because they view them as somewhat toxic and they don't want to be on record doing that. They want to have a simple discussion that former officers can't be impeached and then walk away when they've already held a vote to that effect and in which 45 of them already have made clear that that's what they want to do. Mm -hmm, Uh, mm -hmm. So this seems like a bad decision strategically, but he managed to find a few people willing to take this on. Is it Uh, Tiffany Trump? Uh, No, no. But um, but as I said, David Schoen and former Pennsylvania Solicitor General Bruce Castor. Bruce Castor obviously is most famous for not charging Bill Cosby with sexual assault back in the day. Mm. So that's his deal. Schoen is well known for representing uh, Russian mobsters and so on. He was actually in talks to represent Jeffrey Epstein before his Mm. death. He believes that Jeffrey Epstein was murdered. These are the caliber of attorneys who have now shown up on this uh, this team. So it's so, just going to continue to get worse. Should be exciting, yeah. <laughs> well, let's now, because we had a little screw up with how we dealt with these topics in order, which is a sign that we may be not administering this well enough, let's hear from our friends at Lexicon about streamlining administrative tasks. Here's a message just for the attorneys out there. So you passed the bar, joined a firm, or even built your own. Now are you finding out that you're doing more administration than actual law practice? Lexicon can help. Lexicon is a legal services and technology provider with over a decade of experience streamlining administrative tasks like timekeeping, HR, billing, client intake, and more. So you can focus on maximizing billable hours and increasing client satisfaction. Call 855-4-LEXICON or visit lexiconservices.com go to learn more. All right. So now let's talk about the second biggest story of the week. What's going on with over-the-top emails? Yeah, I got a story from across the pond. Um, a UK uh, website put up um, an e- an internal email that a partner at a firm sent, and he was a little he was pretty annoyed that folks hadn't entered their time. And you know, like, listen, entering your time on a regular basis is an incredibly important thing when you're a timekeeper, right? Like that's how the firm gets paid. It's how a firm decides, you know, their staffing needs. There's lots of good things for it. But of course, I mean, I have sympathy for the attorneys because I was awful at keeping my time on entering my time on a timely basis when I was a practicing attorney. It was like the bane of my existence. So, I mean, I have sympathy kind of on both sides, but 
regardless, this is obviously something important that does in fact need to be done. But this uh, partner's reaction was not just to tell folks, hey, you know, you should do something about your time. Your time hasn't been entered. It was to send a, a firm-wide email with the express purpose, like it says, like, so because you haven't entered your time, I'm going to now embarrass you. Mm. And it was fellow partners. It was junior attorneys. It was associates at the firm. Uh, and kind of going like, I can't believe you only build one hour. For the junior uh, attorney, it said to them, um, maybe you should research for how the, your employer can get out of your employment contract because obviously you're useless. Um, <laughs> it was it was a lot, and and the thing that really got me it was for it was it wasn't like oh you haven't entered time for the month, right? Mm. It was like a week or two ago. It wasn't even the most ridiculous example of, you know, delayed time entry that you've ever heard of. You know, it's usually at the end of the month that all the time gets, you know, processed. This isn't crazy. It was only a couple of weeks late. But it, it just kind of goes more to the sort of larger point that we see in big law firms on both sides of the pond, which is that lawyers are not, are frequently terrible managers. Yes. Like, like fear and embarrassment are not a way to conduct business. Well, they are a way. They're not a good way. Yeah, it's problematic. I mean, look, I'm used to a management style that relied a lot more on passive aggressiveness than on <laughs> active aggressiveness. Like, I I remember it was my years in big law were marked mostly by partners calling and just kind of saying, God, you know, I just really had hoped you'd be able to do X, Y, Z. Like, it was that kind of thing over and over again. I'm not um, mad. I'm just disappointed. It really was. Did they um, know you were Catholic? Was that part of it that was uh, it, kind this of building wasn't, on that? This wasn't directed at uh, me largely. I mean, this was the the whole firm kind of operated on this I sort see, of uh, this sort of thing, which, you know, it has its advantages and disadvantages. Obviously, Lots it's not as harsh as being yelled at. But in some ways, it felt okay with – it was of a kind with the fact that the firm – prided itself on collegiality. And if your colleagues, passive aggression, I guess, is how you get things done. Um, but yeah, so I, I, I mean, never really dealt with think, the harsh. I think there's, there's a tremendous difference, though, between being screamed at and passive aggressive. There, there, there are yeah. other options in there, like being straightforward and saying, yeah. hey, I need the following to get done. Yeah. You know, and, and I don't know. There's kind of this assumption in law firms that, you know, you just spend enough years at the firm, then you must be ready for management. There's rarely, if ever, any management training, any sort of sense of, hey, now that you're in charge of a team, this is how you get stuff done. Right. Mm -hmm. It's just kind of like, well, you've been here a while. You must have pieced it all together. And I don't, we don't do anything else in law firms based on just the figure it out without yeah. training and research. You know, that's kind of the basis of the legal profession, except when it comes to management. It's like, well, you'll figure it out. Right. No, and it's instead, true. Instead, what people do is they wind up mirroring what they have been shown, right. which is often terrible. Yes. So it just continues. I mean, if you've never had a good manager mm -hmm. and the only sort of manager you've ever had is a partner who likes to scream or send embarrassing emails or whatever, that's what you are going, either you're going to go, this is the only effective way to manage or do the polar opposite and be too permissive and lenient and not set any sort of uh, benchmarks or standards for your team. Yeah. And neither is particularly effective way to manage or lead. Yeah. But there's rarely management training yeah. for law firms. I've never understood why 
CLE doesn't mm. force a lean in basically to have you take the sorts of management courses that corporate America yeah. has. Yeah, like these, uh, I think these that one exist. of the skills should absolutely be you should be much as you have to do the couple hours of ethics, at least a yeah. couple hours of the practice Diversity stuff inclusion should be now for a lot of jurisdictions yeah, are required. Uh, tech requirements in some jurisdictions. Yeah. It, somewhere along the line, we should just haul in a corporate level management person to have the yeah. Dr. Rick style explanation of how to avoid becoming your partners. Yeah. yeah. This is how you effectively manage. This is how to manage people. And and the truth is, if you're leading a team, if you are a good manager, you are more likely to get team members who will go to the wall for you, right? Mm-hmm. If you're a good manager, you can ask folks to do the tough, listen, I know this is the worst, but this has to get done. And like, let's be a team together. And that kind of inspiring management is actually the most effective way to get it done. And lawyers rarely have any concept of how to build the team where folks are loyal to it. And this is this is the sort of thing that you need to start learning kind of earlier in your career, like yeah. around the mid-level period. Yeah. It's a brand new year and a great time to focus on your career. And for mid-level associates, it's a great time to upgrade your performance and open up paths to partnership and top in-house roles. Jennifer Bluestein, Chief Talent Officer from Perkins Coie, covers all this and more in Stepping It Up, a guide for mid-level law associates, published by Practicing Law Institute. Drawing on insights and advice from seasoned law firm leaders, in-house counsel, and senior associates, Stepping It Up explores issues that can be stumbling blocks after a few years of practice, as well as ways to enhance the skills critical for advancement. Visit pli.edu slash publications to learn more. And that's uh, that's pretty much all uh, that we had happen this week. Uh, there was It was a lot. Yeah. It was a lot. It really was a busy week. Like, there, there were days where it just never stopped. Yeah. Yeah, I think there's a day where you wrote five or six stories. Yeah, it, it's... That it, is a lot. It's a deluge. Uh, <laughs> anyway, so we will be back again next week. You should be reading Above the Law. As always, you should be subscribed to this show so that you get new episodes directly delivered to you. You should be letting people know about the show, writing reviews, giving us stars, writing some things about it. All of these help. Uh, you should follow us on social media. She's at Catherine one the numeral one. I'm at Joseph Patrice. You should be listening to The Jabot, her other show. Uh, You should listen to Legal Tech Week, the journalist's roundtable that I do on Fridays. You should be listening to the other offerings of the Legal Talk Network. And with all of that said, we will be back next week. Yes. Yes.